The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippey is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. What's up? This is the LB's Post Game Edition. I am Brian Scott Rippey. He is Colin Brister on the other end. Uh, we have a lot to get into, so I'm going to save the uh, corny introduction or whatever crap must be normally in the first five minutes of this podcast. Ole Miss loses 35-28 uh, to Auburn. Uh, first impression, it's a cover killer, right? Because when Auburn has the ball deep in their territory <laughs> at the end of the game, you're thinking, okay, this Carlson kid has a gigantic leg. They'll set up the field goal. Ole Miss three p- plus three and a half, right? Just 
sitting pretty in Suntan City. Well, you haven't <laughs> met the Ole Miss secondary. But anyway, lots to unpack in this game. We are back after a week off. Uh, what's up? Not not much. And and people will probably be like, you know, why did you guys take the week off after Matt Crowell? I'll take that one. I, I'll take that one. So Colin, what happened was, is Colin texted me in the middle of the week last week and said, I think Corral's going to have a bad game. And I don't really feel like facing the music because people are mean to me online. So I said, don't worry. I got this and booked a flight to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, took a golf trip, did not watch one snap of the game on Saturday and proceeded to drink some beers instead. So uh, isn't that kind of how it went down? I, yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty Basically, much. Basically, so That's yeah, I'm not a hero, but if you'd want to call me one, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably stop you. But uh, yeah, no, so I did, I did feel like, to your point, I feel like last week. So last week, I mean, you, if you listen to the other podcast this week, I took a trip with some friends down there, and we, I did some work while I was down there, and like we were kind of up in the air on the post game pod. That was the most, as I mentioned on yesterday's Fresh Cuts. That was the first Ole Miss game probably since the Houston Nut era that I did not watch a snap of. We were on a property in the middle of nowhere, couldn't get the phone to load on there, did not watch a snap of the game. Team mode, it watched it some of it on Sunday. But to your point, I did feel like we were like skirting the uh, the like <laughs> as big a corral stands we have. We didn't face the music, and don't don't like if you're out there listening. I uh, I did feel that. I felt like we skirted the uh, the spotlight. No, no, that's that's completely fair. And you know, obviously he doesn't play that well today. I didn't think he was he was bad. And obviously, look, the two interceptions, uh, one of them at the end is not really the kid's fault. Um, obviously the one at the beginning of the game was. Um, but you know, it's interesting. They they play plumly after the the first interception. And, and I just felt like that was a maybe just to settle Matt down. Um, because I, I think it became obvious over the course of the game and what they were trying to do with Plumlee that, man, that's just not going to work. They don't trust the kid to throw the football, right? Like it was obvious when he was in, they were going to run the football. They threw a five-yard out route that Plumlee th- somehow threw into the sideline, and they threw a flat route that Yaboa had to make an acrobatic one-hand catch to make. Um, so I think if anything was settled today, it's it's – it really doesn't matter if Matt Crowell plays poorly or great. He, he is the Ole Miss quarterback going forward because I, I don't think they trust John Rice Plumley to do anything. Boy, I didn't. I was about to say I did not. So I guess we'll just kind of throw last week aside. Like I said, like I feel like we didn't <laughs> answer the answer to the bell on that one. I did watch some of the game on Sunday when I flew awful. back to Texas, and they really confused him with the, a lot of the zone concepts last week. You know, Barry Odom. I don't, I don't necessarily know whether he's a good head coach or not because Missouri's a weird job, but I think it's undisputable he's a pretty good defensive Absolutely. coordinator, right? Like his track record speaks for itself in that sense. And he had a young quarterback and just kind of preyed on him last yeah. week. And you didn't really see a lot of the same concepts this week, at least not from the naked eye from Auburn. But last week aside, I guess we can rewind to last week at the end of this podcast. Let, there's enough to focus on on this game, yeah. right? And yeah. from an analysis standpoint, these 11 a.m. games are, are better for me than the night games. Read into that what you will. If you thought Kentucky was a weird podcast, trust me, you did not want to see me walking off the golf course last week and us hitting the record <laughs> button. Anyway, where do, you, uh, where do you want to start? On that, I mean, like, I, there's so much that happened in this game. I feel like overwhelmed. I do have a notepad. I have a note sheet in front of me. So uh, start where you want. 
Well, I just, I just kind of think it was, was what I was saying is, is Matt Corral is Ole Miss's quarterback, and, and I don't think at this point there's a point in making a change because it was obvious. Plumley probably played as much as he has all year today, right? I don't think that's debatable. Um, maybe outside of the Florida game, but he didn't play a ton of quarterback there either. Um, and, and the offense, look, outside of his 37-yard run, just didn't do a whole heck of a lot. Uh, he gets the 37-yard run on the uh, first down that he comes into the game, and then he goes seven carries for 11 yards after that. I, I just – look, I we can debate whether he can throw the football enough to be able to be an SEC quarterback or not. I do not think Lane Kiffin trusts the kid to throw the football down the field. Um, and if you're not going to do that, you can't play quarterback in this league. So that that's to my greater point of it really doesn't matter how good or bad Matt Corral is right now. He's the quarterback for the rest of this season. And I think that was what we got answered today is, man, look, he can he cannot play well because I don't think he particularly played well today. And he's still going to be your guy. So I, I don't think anybody clamoring for quarterback change is going to get even remotely close to getting their wish. Well, what set the t- what set like I guess the the forces in motion to see as much of Plumley as we did today was the way this game began, right? Sure. So Corral comes off the absolute worst game of his career, not even close, right? You throw six interceptions. Yeah, oh, I mean, hell, it's, it's a, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's impossible to understate how bad he was and how bad that went last week. So the importance, and this is this is like a great like TV announcer line. You want to get off to a good start because I've never heard a coach say in pregame, "Hey, let's get it off to a shitty start and then rebound." But to your, but in all seriousness, like you wanted him to get off to a good start and build some confidence, and that just did not happen at all, right? You have the three and out in less than a minute, and then Ole Miss defense forces a three and out, and then you drive all the right right down the field, I should say, and then immediately have just a back-breaking turnover in the end zone to where from I don't I guess towards the end of it and I, I forgive me I forget who was running the two routes but there were two guys in that area at the time and like on the initial read like the initial watching it I couldn't tell if he underthrew someone or overthrew the slot guy by a ton like it was almost telegraphed into the middle of nowhere and I don't even know if that makes sense yeah no I, it, it was tough to see um it was a bad throw regardless. And and at that point, I thought it was important to maybe let Matt just take a breath and collect himself, and they did for an extent. Um, but then he comes back in the next drive and throws a touchdown pass, right, um, and, and has two rushing touchdowns as well. That, but that was- the con- to, to, not to interrupt, but like the context of that is interesting too because you see Plumley for most of the next drive, and then you get down to the red zone and Corral throws to a wide-open Elijah Moore, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And, and my thing is, like, look, if you're go- if John Rice Plumley is going to be your quarterback, you can't pull him off the field on third and eight and put Matt Corral in the game. Otherwise, he's not your quarterback, um, and and that's doing a disservice, frankly, to both of them. So, and I and I'm not and they didn't do that. That's what uh, Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez did last year, but that's why I don't think that anyone clamoring for a change at the quarterback position is going to get it because they clearly do not trust that kid in third and eight to make passes to get them first downs. And, and whether or not Matt Corral is playing well or not, he's your best option if you get into a third and long situation, you know? Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree in that sense, but like I got a little bit of a different impression watching that game today in the sense that like I think we agree, but I never really like even when they brought Plumley into the game after Corral um struggled and threw that backbreaking interception, there's a separate conversation to be had that we'll get into in a minute that I want to bring up 
about how this team is just not good enough to overcome those types of backbreaking mistakes. But like when when Plumlee came into the game after that, I didn't think that that was like them making a change and benching Corral. Absolutely, and that that didn't that didn't end up being the case either. So like. I guess I've seen enough from Plumley throwing the ball, or I guess in this case, never like the the what they showed by not letting him throw the ball, like the message they're sending there. I just never thought for a second that was, oh, now they're going to Plumley. He's the guy. I just thought they were going to have a drive where they ran the football a lot and tried to give up a change of pace. Like I guess a better way to say it is. When Plumley came into the game after Corral threw that backbreaking interception in the red zone, there was like I didn't ever think for a second, oh, Corral's done. Like I thought he was coming in within the quarter. No, I, I'm, and I did too. I, I guess my larger point is it was obvious when Plumley took the field to start that drive at quarterback, they don't trust him to run this offense. So anyone clamoring for him to be the starting quarterback can look at what they asked him to do throughout this game and realize, oh, they don't they don't think he can run this offense. I think that was what was made evident to me today because, man, they just didn't let him do a whole heck of a lot besides make, you know, run read options. Because they don't trust him to do anything. No, they don't trust saying. him to throw the ball. But to a larger degree, we're bouncing around here. Like, there was just so much to digest in this game. But to be honest, dude, I mean, obviously, you have to throw the football to some degree, right, to even just have a prayer of being a respectable offense. I mean, you saw it all last year when you couldn't throw it with any consistency, what that looks like in the SEC. But they don't really trust Corral anymore. Like, a lot of the throws you're seeing are not down the field, and the ones that he does let it go down the field, not great. Now, granted, there are a couple of just back-breaking drops in this game. I mean, no. That, yeah, I, yeah, but I just, I, it, you can tell with the way they're calling play. I guess what I'm trying to get at is you can tell with the way they're calling plays now from the, like, if you watch Bama, Kentucky, and Florida film, and then you watch Arkansas and Auburn film, the they don't trust Corral as much as they did in those th- first well, three games. And I don't even think that's d- debatable. Well, here, here's my thing with that is, okay, do, do, did they not trust Corral or did Auburn sit in cover two all day? where you had to run the football like they did. And and he, unlike last week, was able to hit check downs and, and, and throw the ball short and not force things down the field. I don't. I, I mean, clearly, I don't know. I didn't watch the all-22 count, but I, I do think it's important to see that Auburn sit in two all day because if they did, that's the reason Ole Miss ran the football with the amount of success that they did. Sure. I mean, that was one of the notes I had written down. At least the first three drives, Auburn sat with just six, five, six dudes in the box and just kind of, dared Ole Miss to, like, I mean, Ole Miss was perfectly content with running it, but it just seemed like the long play with them doing that was, hey, we don't trust two to beat us, is essentially the vibe I caught from that. Yeah. Like, um, you can run it all you want. Like, like because it's interesting, because, like, that strategy was particularly interesting to me, because when you think of fierce Auburn defensive lines, right, they lose Brown and they lose Davidson off of last year's defensive line and Auburn's like had one of the weaker like that's one of the weakest Auburn's defensive lines I've seen in the Gus Malzahn era right they always have just this menacing particularly on the interior dudes that are just not going to let you run the ball with much consistency and I found that strategy interesting because that's not really what they have this year no no they I don't think Auburn's any good, frankly. Um, and, you know, if, if Auburn's not any good and Ole Miss loses by seven, then you have my opinion of Ole Miss right now. Um, so, it look, today was tough, man. I, I don't think – look, after that Alabama game, you, you're on kind of a high. And I know Lane expected to win that game with, you know, what he said after the game and all that stuff. But 
man, you're you're looking at one and what four now, and, and I don't think people are as near up for one and four as they would have been, you know, if you were able to win one of these two games, obviously. So um, pretty much any goodwill that you've had after that Alabama game and after winning the Kentucky game is kind of evaporated, right, going into a bye week and then getting Vanderbilt. And frankly, beating Vanderbilt's not going to get you a whole lot of cash either. It's coming home that next week. I think for this year to go the way that Ole Miss wants it to and Ole Miss fans want it to, that game against South Carolina has just become a must win, right? There's a bye week next week? I'm pretty sure there's a bye week next week, yeah. Oh, sweet. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. No. no. <laughs> that sounded bad. Neither here nor there. I have a wedding to go to next week, and I was trying to plan around what I thought was a 3 o'clock game, but Ole Miss does have a bye week next week, so we're all good there. Anyway, yeah, you're exactly right in that sense. But I, like, I, we're kind of bouncing around here, so just let's focus on Corral for a second. He finishes his game 6 of 7 for 16 of 27, excuse me, for 154, five yards per throw, a touchdown and two picks. Pull me through one pass for seven yards. Like, I mean, Ole Miss ran for 283 in this game. It, it's it's almost kind of hard to, like, quantify the shift you've seen, right? Because for the first three games, Ole Miss's best passing, I mean, best form of offense was Corral pushing the ball down the field. Right. And the 180 that has taken the last two games is is kind of staggering. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, they were obviously able to run the football with a great deal of success today, but obviously they weren't able to push the football down the field. And I do think that's the that's due some to the type of defense that Auburn played. But man, it's uh it's been tough. I, th- I think teams have just made adjustments on Ole Miss being able to capitalize going down the field like they did against Florida, Kentucky, and Alabama, and and Ole Miss really hasn't adjusted well. I don't I don't think Ole Miss played a particularly well-coached game today um, from a, from an offensive standpoint. Um, obviously, you put up 28 points, and that's never bad. But, man, if you had told Lane Kiffin, hey, you're going to give up what – I don't I don't even – it was like 20 offensive points last week to Arkansas and 35 to Auburn, he probably thinks he goes 2-0, and right? Because, man, you look at that offense after the Alabama game, it's like, man, no, nobody can stop them. And, and – you go 0 and 2 in games where the defense played honestly about as good as they can play. And it wasn't good, don't get me wrong, but that's about as good as they can play. Yeah, and that's really I guess like corral aside for a second, this team is not good. No. no. They're fun, but they're not good. And I think you knew that. Like I think the problem with those first 3 weeks is they look scrappy against Alabama, they look pretty scrappy against Florida. They pulled one out of their ass against Kentucky to some degree. And it's like, okay, this team is fun, and they're kind of bordering on good. Now they're not even really close to good. And I guess this is a good time to get into the conversation that I was talking about earlier. So Ole Miss turns the ball over seven times last week and is somehow in a one-score game with, what, five and a half minutes yeah. left? That's, right. that's okay, well, that's, that's kind of just perplexing in its own right. But today they lose the turnover battle two to nothing. And the last one, whatever. It was really one to nothing, right? Like, you, the, you can't really put the last interception on anything. You're just desperate at that point. But my overall point is, like, this team is not good enough to win games in which they lose the turnover battle. Absolutely not. No, no, absolutely not. Um, and you lose it, what, definitely last week and this week, too. So, um, no, you're not good enough to win. And, and frankly, that, that's that been shown. Um, and and they're also in the second part of that. It's not only losing the turnover battle, right? It's not. It's not like Ole Miss lost. It was not like last week where Ole Miss lost by you know one score 
or whatever. I know last week was technically two scores, but for all intents and purposes, it was one score and the game hung in the balance. Today was not like Ole Miss turned it over four times and lost by one score. They're not good. They don't have a defense that generates turnovers, and so they're not good enough to overcome the back-breaking turnovers to where you, you get a stop out of your defense after your offense does nothing to open the game. You drive all the way down the field and get zero points out of it because you throw an interception in the end zone. This yeah. team is not equipped to overcome stuff like that. You have to essentially be automatic in the red zone to have a chance to win a lot of these games. And like the, the red zone turnovers are just absolutely brutal for a team that does not generate them on the other side. Sure. And, and I know the stats won't show up, but they actually had three turnovers because that uh, play calling before the fake field goal was an absolute. Um, I'm going to use it. You're right. It's basically three. You are it, correct it, it in that sense. Awful. That that was embarrassingly awful. You 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 run the ball three straight times and run it, including on a third and seven, with John Rice Plumley to call a fake field goal to Luke Logan. Like, what are you doing at that point? Uh, just, just that was bad. And, uh, well, can okay, can I make the argument that it's almost one and a half turnovers? Because not only did you basically turn it over. You didn't capitalize on Auburn's punter, and granted, the snap was a little high, just basically Charlie Browning the football. So, yeah. like, and your de- that's technically not a turnover created by your defense, but it basically is when Auburn kind of you know poops its pants and gives you the football inside your own, I mean, inside their thirty yard line, and you get zero points out of it. And the manner in which it happened, where you run Plumley three times and, and then do the Luke Logan thing, which not dime dropped by my boy back Brown. He doesn't even look when he throws the ball these days. He just throws it over his shoulder right in the hip pocket, but either way, completely wasted. It's almost like a turnover and a half, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's for a team that's not very good. That's backbreaking. Yeah, that was awful. That was awful in every sense of the word. Um, man, just, just bad. And, and I thought there were some things, I mean, the, if you want to get into coaching, the clock management at the end of the game was atrocious. Um, after the second corral run, you lose thirteen. Well, seconds. no, 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 dude. They're gonna go into the. Uh, they're gonna go into the Vanderbilt game with four, four timeouts time, in the first half. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they thought they get to trade one of those timeouts in for you know an extra play or something. <laughs> <laughs> an extra t- turnover for Christ's sake! I didn't understand that either. Let's reel it back in though. Let so let's let's go through this game in a somewhat chronological order. Okay. Because th- there were so many twists and turns to this thing. Like I, I was trying to write notes down on this notepad, and it just absolutely completely just devolved into debauchery. Like I think I just ended up drawing circles and uh, stuff on the side of it. So. Ole Miss goes down seven nothing, right? You have the three and out. You have the inter, uh, you have the interception in the end zone. Auburn drives it all the way down ninety five yards for the touchdown. Ole Miss responds. Auburn scores. Ole Miss responds again. The have a punt, and that's pretty much the first half. And did you feel pretty good about Ole Miss sitting at fourteen fourteen? All things considered. Yeah, all things considered, being tied at half was great because you get the big stop at the end of the, the second half that prevents Auburn from getting in a field goal range, which means you don't get the foot they don't get the football, you know, after a score going into the second half. And yeah, I, I as an Ole Miss fan, I felt great at 14-14 because I thought it could have been a whole lot worse. Right, because Auburn could have scored to end the half there and not necessarily, I guess, doubled Ole Miss up, but they did get the ball after halftime. But, like, that was – even though Ole Miss didn't really have much of a chance to get points before half, that last stop from the Ole Miss defense right before halftime was huge to keep Auburn off the board. And you may not necessarily agree with this because I know I texted it to you before, but Ole Miss gets the ball down by the 11-yard line with 50 seconds left after they stop Auburn and it's 14-14. to And I don't – I mean, I don't – 
I, I see where you're coming from as well, but I just feel like like if Ole Miss is still riding high with the way they are performing offensively against Florida and Alabama in particular, they maybe take a shot or two with Corral, and they didn't even t- like to me that that was a small indication of how their thinking has changed as it pertains to Matt Corral's quarterback by not even really flirting with the idea of maybe getting a field goal. They, they so, didn't. Fl- they didn't flirt with it when he was playing really well either, though. Like, they, they had this exact situation against Kentucky and Florida and, and ran the clock out. That that was my thing. So why would – if they was playing well today, why would it be different, you know? I guess because this one's 14 to 14 and your defense has just gotten another stop and those other two scenarios weren't exactly the same. I see what you're saying, and I'm actually probably willing to admit at the same time I'm probably reaching a little bit. But you can't tell me in the back of, like, in the back, like, I guess as he's making that decision on the sideline, you can't tell me in the back of Lane Kiffin's mind that three weeks ago he's like, oh, maybe we try to cause something here. If we take a shot and we pop it, then we'll go get it to where it seemed like at that one he's like, no shot, we're going in the half. Yeah, 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 and that's fair. Um, But my thing with with drives at the end of the half that I think Lane Kiffin struggles with is, man, you've got to get to – to the 15 yard line before it even matters though right because if- I, mean, I mean yes but in that in that situation what is the harm in letting luke logan just try to pop one from 45 and i say that tongue-in-cheek slightly <laughs> but you know what i mean like there's zero harm in him missing that one yeah i guess i, I just i don't know i i would have done exactly what they did i'll say that because i i just i would not have tried to go i mean if you get the ball on the 25 that's different but you got it on the 10 right so i i can't necessarily blame them for what they did for sure now there's some things in the second half that i'll blame them for yeah and so that's what we're about to get into so you get to the second half auburn turns it over on downs because of the uh the messed up punt and you want to talk about a man looking like he didn't know where he was that poor Auburn punter after he botched that after he botched it with the wet ball we looked so confused I was like did this was this man concussed why does he have that look on his face yeah but, yeah so so that happens and Ole Miss, as we as we alluded to earlier, goes plumbly middle, plumbly middle, plumbly middle. Luke Logan thing that was a really crucial point in that game because you got nothing out of an absolute gift. Yeah, yeah, you get nothing. You don't even get three points. Um, and look, does Luke Logan make the field goal? Probably not. But it probably doesn't come down to a field goal if you don't run sixteen power, sixteen power, sixteen power, um, three times in a row and get stuffed. So. Um, just a brutal series of calls. And that, I think that that was the worst decision of the game, honestly. I mean, the, the, those three play calls were just just, just bad. Just really, really bad football. I agree. Can you still hear me okay? I just switched to headphones because I felt like I was echoing. Yeah. yeah, you're fine. All right, cool. No, so I 100% agree with that. And with all the gripes you could have with Lane Kiffin's offense, I guess, through this point, I would say uncreative is not one of them, but wasn't that really kind of one of the first drives this year where you're like, okay, what the hell is this? The, yeah, no, the plumbly, plumbly, plumbly. I was like, holy shit, Rich Rod has found his way into Vaught Hemingway. What has happened here? <laughs> yeah, I thought they fired him. Um, but well, yeah. okay, so, so, so short field. So when you talk about the, 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 the whole um, corral plumbly dynamic and how they're going to use this going forward. You have the team com- in complete retreat, right? Like, they go three and out against the defense that really hasn't stopped anyone. They screw up the punt. This team's on its heels. Ole Miss is 14-14. You get the stop, which feels like two stops, given the way Auburn had the ball in the second half. 
why not play the kid that can still throw the ball and maybe kind of like step on their throat a little there? It felt very conservative to play Plumlee in that scenario, at least for the whole drive. If you want to run Plumlee on first down and then whether it works, doesn't work, whatever, and go from there, but running him three times, not letting Corral see a short field a single time felt stupid to me. Yeah, well, it, it was stupid on second down and, and nine or whatever to run it. And then it was just brain dead on third and seven to run quarterback power. I don't care what was called. The, the, the fact that, look, it could have been a run pass option, I guess. But, my God, how, how can you not put Matt Corral in the game on third and seven? And was the kid good today? No, he wasn't necessarily good. But he was better than whatever that was. Yeah, and that was kind of my point. Like, exactly. Like, if you do the plumbing thing, okay, it works, doesn't work on first down. If you're really feeling hairy and you really want to try it, try to get on second down to see if you can get into a third and short. But when you have third and long and you don't bring the guy that is somewhat of a threat to pass, because when Plumlee stayed on the field on that third down, Auburn's sitting there thinking, this guy's not throwing the ball, right? I mean, you, you eliminated the possibility of throwing it with him staying on the field in third down. And that's what I didn't really understand about it in the sense of like, why is Matt Corral not seeing the field at all on a thir- on a short field after you've just been given a gift? That was the part I, I really did not understand. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. It it, it made no sense. And then, um, you 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 if you're gonna do a, a Luke Logan fake field goal, frankly, and, and I know this is hindsight in 2020, and Lane Kiffin's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. If you're gonna call that, it's got to work. I mean, you can't, you, you, you can't run that. <laughs> you ran your kicker to the short side of the field. If you run that, it has to work. Otherwise you're just opening your shot. It wasn't fourth and three either here. Now it was, it was fourth and five. And and you didn't even have Mac as a lead blocker. Like yeah. you're just hopeless. Yeah. It, that has to either work or you're going to get the criticism that you deserve. Cause, cause frankly that good board. I mean, that, that was awful. And I don't necessarily, honestly, I was, I was, uh, I guess if you're talking about, I was less perplexed or less flummoxed by that, because if you're talking about what Luke Logan has done this year, like what are the odds he's making that that's left up for debate. But my thinking after that is like, well, one, why not just leave your offense out on the field and give it a stab there or two, just let the kid kick it. Like to me, those were two better avenues. Absolutely. I mean, spoiler alert here. Here's a big football take. All 22 is. Uh, this is why I watch the all 22. I think you have a better chance of scoring points if your offense stays on the field, or letting Luke Logan kick it versus letting Luke Logan run it. Thoughts? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Running back Luke Logan, not getting it done yeah. on fourth and six. <laughs> Just, just making sure I wasn't going out on too far you know, from there. You know they called that play, and Logan looked out there and was like, "Really, we're we're gonna do this, huh?" Yeah, I was about to say the poor kid has snakes in his head, but don't you think part of him was like, "Actually, I'd rather kick it." I have no confidence, but I would rather kick it than try to cut the corner on the the end of Auburn's <laughs> defensive line. So. But so that happens, and you're really getting into the nut-crunching time of this game, for the lack of a better phrase, because you've just absolutely wasted a complete gift. Then your defense comes out and gives you another three and out. And so at this point, it is still 14-14, to and this much-maligned Ole Miss defense, this defense that is playing Tylen Knight, decently significant snaps. And Miles Battle. And, and Miles Battle on the defensive side of the football has given you three straight stops without Auburn putting points on the scoreboard. 
and that was I I tweeted and like I as as worthless as Twitter can be sometimes, but that it just came to me pretty quickly is like if you're de- if this defense as currently constructed, how bad they are, their COVID issues, all of that. If you get if you if you take three if they give you three consecutive stops and you net zero points, you deserve everything that comes your way. Yes, they do. And but to their credit, they go score and make it twenty eight or twenty one fourteen. They did. Um, Snoop runs for 19. He throws a huge uh, wide open kind of one of those like not coverage bust, but kind of one of those we out schemed you to Kenny Aboa 60 yards down the sideline. Kenny, not a speedster, um, <laughs> but Macarrow finishes it from 10 yards out and you do and you go up to 20 to 4, 21, 14, I should say. And it's at that point that I'm thinking is like. Man, if you could string together one more stop if you're old miss, you're probably winning this football game. And I know that's still midway through the third quarter, but I really did feel that way. Auburn answers with the 10 play 88 yard drive, really just the old miss defense reverting back to being the old miss defense. They threw the ball down their throat. Seth Williams made a couple of nice catches. Ole Miss punts again, and you're sitting there thinking, Oh hell, here it goes again. Another 11 play 80 yard drive. And Auburn's up 27 21 after a botched extra point. Auburn is trying to give this game to Ole Miss yes. via special teams. Trying to. Yes, absolutely. Auburn was trying to quit. Ole Miss wouldn't let them. And so this is where I'm thinking. I was like, okay, does this team like does this team kind of stand up or do they fold under the pressure? Because it's one thing to be able to run offense and be able to run the football in the middle of the second quarter. It's another one to do it when you absolutely have to do it. And to Ole Miss's credit, they go down the field. They have an 11-13 play, I should say, 77-yard drive to go up 28-27. Defense gets a three-and-hour Auburn of nothing, and Ole Miss should have closed the game here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I'll go, look, I don't think it was a bad decision. I just disagreed with the decision. I would have gone for the fourth and five. I, I absolutely, without doubt, would have gone for it. You're, you're playing a kicker that's got a big leg. Um You've got a defense that has probably done more than it's been asked to do. I would have gone for it, and I'd have lived. And if Auburn would have got the football and kicked the field goal and no time left to win the game, I'd just live with it. But I needed so five yards. Vegas betters. <laughs> you, you sound personally impacted. I'm not going to comment. Uh, but you get five yards there. The game's – it's not over, but, man, it's close. You're, you're ten yards from it being over. I, I look. I don't look. I, I held. I held a lot against Lane Kiffin for this game. Honestly, I, I think he was pretty bad. Um, and, you know, that's okay. Like, I, you know, I say he's bad. I'm not. I'm saying the guy had a bad game. You're allowed to have one of those when you're. You know, it's your first year. Um, I'm not saying fire him or, or people should freak out or anything. I just don't think he had a very good, uh, very good day. Uh, this is not one that I hold against him. It's just a difference of opinion. But I, I would have. I would have gone for the fourth and five. And, and if it and- didn't work, it didn't work. But I, I would have gone for it. And that this is the drive. If you talk about it, it got underscored also, with one, all the other crap that one happened. More thing a there, brutal though. Mingo drop. Yeah, brutal absolutely. Mingo drop on that drive. Um, one more thing. Uh, you don't ever take a timeout to punt. Like for the love of God, people quit doing that. I, I don't. I mean, you think that timeout at the end would have been helpful? I mean, unless you're injecting Mac with steroids, no. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, that was just not smart. To, and people are like, well, he was deciding whether he wanted to go for it or not. It's like, well, that decision should have been made without having to, to, to call a timeout. No, exactly. And that, the decision is made for you when you take the timeout. Yeah, like exactly. You said you don't take the timeout to punt because then you've just waited, wasted the timeout to give them the football. Like yeah. the idea, like if you're going to punt, go ahead and punt. 
like take the, a delay the, of taking game. the time out to buy yourself more time. Like everyone always talks about, that's a decision. It's really not because if you're buying yourself more time and then you still elect to punt, you've just wasted the decision. Like there really is not much of a decision to be had. Yeah, I'm not saying that it was wrong to punt the football. I'm saying that calling a timeout to punt the football was ridiculous. Uh, we're 100 percent on the same page there, and that, that's just a brutal drop. Because if you're if you're if you're if you're a team, if you're a bad team trying to put away games, and you're a bad team trying to win football games and trying to win games, that's a play you have to make. Like that's not an outrageous play for a Jonathan Mingo to make. That is a routine play that has to be caught Wait, every now, you, single time. You talking about the uh, drive where Ole Miss has it up one, trying to run the clock out? Yes. Is that not where Mingo dropped it? I don't believe so, no. Here are the three plays there. Uh, Snoop Connor run for no gain. John Rice Plumley lost run for loss of five. Matt Crow pass uh, complete to ten, and then they punted. Where's the Mingo drop? I think it was on the touchdown drive before. I think it was on the touchdown drive before. Maybe so. So maybe I have that out of whack. This game just absolutely kind of blew my <laughs> mind from that sense. Was it the Mingo drop on the 20? 20- yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, it was Matt Crowell incomplete to Jonathan Mingo on second and 10, the drive they scored, and then he completes the pass to Mingo on the next play to get 15 yards. Okay, fair enough. He's absolved for it on that one. But anyway. (laughs) He did have some awful drops today. He had one in the first half, too. Oh, it's got a couple. And I know the game's – we'll get to it in a second, but the Yoboa drop at the end to at least give yourself an absolute reasonable shot is horrible. Anyway, so Ole Miss – I will say on the Yoboa drop, does, does Auburn let him get down, though? Because I don't necessarily think they do. I think the clock might have run out there because Auburn was going to be able to hold him up if they wanted to. I mean, maybe, but you still have a timeout left. It's giving you a shot. If well, he no, goes he, down immediately, it's two seconds. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying is Auburn let him go down. But he's catching it like the seven. I, yes, I get what you're saying, but what's stopping Auburn from holding him up in the air and not letting him go down? Let's argue this in 10 minutes because we're okay. about to get that. We're jumping okay. the shark. So anyway, so that happens. Ole Miss punts, and then you're sitting there thinking, eh, what's happening here? You've seen this movie before. Bo Nix sacked for a loss by Sam yeah. Williams, who had a really good game, was super disrupted in this game, goes to Stove, Bigsby, incomplete, and then busted coverage. Anthony Schwartz just goes, no, excuse me. They go to Schwartz, and then Seth Williams is just wide open down the sideline. The guy, the one guy you can't lose on the field, they lose him completely in the most crucial moment of the but, game. If that does not basically kind of sur- surmise what has happened with Ole Miss through five games, I don't know what does. But once the kid uh, at, at that drive, right, once he gets to the 25-yard line, you're just like, go score, bro. Like, like you, if you're Ole Miss, you're like, no, do not tackle him at that point because then that's the only way you're going to have a shot. Yeah, that is true as well. But, man, he is wide the hell open, and that's the one kid you can't leave wide the hell open. Yeah, he was really good, and he's going to get drafted really high, and they're going to pay him a lot of money. And then the way the game ends, I don't really understand it. So you have an incomplete pass. Corral runs for 11, and then you just let a shit ton of time run off the clock. Yeah, no, no, excuse me. He runs for 11 for a first down. Then he runs for eight, and that's when you let the shit ton of time run off you let it run down from what? I don't want to exaggerate here. 56 to 36 seconds? I think it was, yeah, I think it was legitimately 20 seconds. It was. 20. I think I, I had it written down 56 to 36 seconds. With two timeouts left, and you're not to midfield left, your timeouts have zero value at that point. Call a timeout at 56 seconds left and save yours. You're talking about trying to get 40-something yards in 56 seconds versus 40-something yards in 36 seconds with the clock running as you snap the ball. And your two timeouts have... 
Yeah, your two timeouts have, have – your every single time you don't call a timeout under a minute left and over 50 yards left, your timeouts are diminishing in value with every second that runs yeah, And off. it wasn't like it was your last timeout. I could understand if maybe a little bit if it was your last one. But my God, you had two. Like, That's what, what I didn't get. You had two. Like, I mean, with the way college football is structured and the clock stopping until the chains move, and you're almost over midfield, and you have 50, 45, 50 yards to cover, I guess 55 to 50 yards to cover, not calling that first time out, that makes no sense. What's more valuable in that sense when you're 60-something yards away or 55 yards away, the 20 seconds or two timeouts? Because eventually you're just getting to the point where you're like, well, it doesn't matter how many timeouts I have, and that's what they ran up into at the end of the game. It doesn't matter how many timeouts I have. It's how many plays I can get off before it hits triple zero. Yeah, so somehow Ole Miss figured out a way to end that drive with a timeout, which was the most impressive thing I saw today. Oh, they get to use it in two weeks. I thought they were going to get to use Maybe they'll use it on the bye week. Hell, I don't know, but they, they might get to use it in two weeks. <laughs> Does the timeout give you extra practice time? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it gives them a couple of negative COVID tests. Who knows? Either way, so then you have it at the end of the like at the the, pen, the game's penultimate play. You have your bow over the middle, and we can argue about whether Auburn would have held him up or not. But man, if you catch the ball, at least it leaves open the possibility. He drops the damn thing, and you can't tell me he dropped he dropped the thing on purpose, and then it's just over at that point. Yeah, I mean you're not completing a forty yard pass at that point, most likely. It just, I mean, even if you do, Matt was five yards beyond the line when he threw the ball. People. Somehow we did that. Um, but, yeah, you, you have to catch that football for your bow. I'm not saying that – look, he, I'm not saying he should have dropped it on purpose by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just wondering if Auburn at that point holds the guy up um, and doesn't let him go down. But, yes, he needed to catch that football. And then you have – if he's able to get down one play from the seven-yard line, man, and that's possible. I mean, you know, people convert seven-yard plays at the uh, goal line all the time to win games. So, yeah, that, that, that drop was just god-awful. Brutal. Ole Miss had a couple of those in this game, and that was what the the kind of the macro note I had written down from the end of this game is this, this, this is a first-year staff matching defeat from the jaws of victory, basically. And a yeah. younger team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they got to learn how to win, right? I mean, Kentucky, obviously, you win the game because the guy misses an extra point, and you're able to go on a drive when your offense has been unstoppable the first two weeks of the year, but um, since then, frankly, they just don't look. I know Alabama's a lot better football team than Ole Miss, but you just kind of do silly things that, that you don't win the football game. You snap the ball over Matt Corral's head when you're going in to tie the football game. Um, you know, in Arkansas, you throw six interceptions, but you have the ball down six with a chance to go tie it. In the second play, you throw into triple coverage. Against Auburn, you you know, you're at, you're one stop away and you're, you know, you're one first down away and you just can't get it done. At some point, this team, if they're going to have success this year, if you're going to get to the four win marker, probably five is a little bit unrealistic at this point. But if you're able to get to the four win mark, you you just got to figure out how to win games. And, and Ole Miss right now, when when the time comes, isn't able to make those plays. When you get down inside the 20-yard line, you cannot have an interception when you come up with zero points. And then when your defense gets you a stop and you're up seven with the football and your only job is to essentially salt the game away, you can't give it back to them that quickly. Like that, that This team has no path to winning if those two things continue to happen. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, you talk about – like we talked about going into the season – after Ole Miss was so bad on the defensive side of the football for two games about how perfect this offense has to be, the way the defense has played the last two weeks, it has they haven't even had to be perfect. They just had to be competent. They haven't done it. Or at least no. they haven't been competent when it matters. The defense has done everything that they can do considering their talent level um, to give you chances to win football games, and, and Ole Miss just hasn't taken them. 
um, you know, and then, you know, divert the blame or not divert, but, you know, distribute the blame where you want to distribute it. But that's just the reality. The defense two weeks in a row has given you opportunities that, frankly, they didn't give you the first three weeks. And then Ole Miss is not taking advantage of them from an offensive standpoint. I agree. And so now that we've kind of gone through the flow of this game, I think there's two things really left to do. One, I, <laughs> I put out a tweet and put Twitter questions out there, and none of them are really any good. People just seem to be very angry. Um, the, the kind of the first conversation we'll get into is a macro thought is what is Ole Miss's quarterback situation? Because the thing I take away from this game is because I don't think you can discount the stuff that Plumlee did with his feet today, right? Because he made some pretty big plays and Ole Miss really needed it on a couple of run plays where oh, yeah. Ole Miss needed it and they needed the change of pace. And so I guess the question I pose to you is I think we're both in agreement. Obviously, look, there's some walking back to do with the way we pumped Matt Corral. But, okay, I guess we'll start there. One of the things I was thinking about today is how we were going to approach this podcast, whether Ole Miss won or lost, was, like, even when Corral was playing well, and, like, we were just kind of being obnoxious assholes because we kind of said, I told you so the whole time. But in the back of our minds as realistic human beings, even as he surged through the Florida, Kentucky, and Alabama game, like, did you actually think he was that level of good? Because I didn't either. I thought he was playing out of his mind. And I'm not trying to do the, like, well, I didn't. I thought this the whole time thing. And I enjoyed every minute of gloating in people's face. But at the same time, that was kind of an unrealistic level sure, for him sure. to play. I didn't think he could continue this, that level of play. I, I, I did. And, you know, this is up for debate again. I did think Matt Crow was a good SEC quarterback. And I think, you know, the last two weeks has put that thought process into limbo. I don't think, you know, if you look at his stat line and his results, I don't think you would probably say he's a good SEC quarterback. So that's probably, you know, um, somewhere where I thought he was wrong. Did I think he was going to continue light, lighting up defense like he did? No. But I didn't I didn't expect this much of a fall off either. No. And so where does he land? Because like you talk about this, he's still well, this is five games in. He's a he, he's a red shirt sophomore. You you just let him play, right? Like I don't man look well, you, that's not necessarily what I'm trying to get at is everyone is kind of because he's been around so long and because his name has been out there so long. I think there's a misconception about the amount of, like, I guess, uh, pelts under his skin, whatever the hell the the, ter- the outdated term is. Macarell was right. He, he was Matt Luke's first big signing, right, in a, in a spot where the program really, really needed a momentum boost. So mm-hmm. he sat behind Jordan Taimu for that whole year, and it's like, Corral's the guy, Corral's the guy. It's coming, it's coming, this is the future. They go through the offseason. We went through all this last year. Corral's the guy. Corral's the guy. Gets the plug pulled. I think people forget he has started less than a year of SEC football. He has nine starts under his belt. Yeah. And nine. Uh, six SEC starts. So, yeah. Um, Is it six? It's it's. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Five SEC games this year and the, the Arkansas game last year. So, like. How much of a, like how much do you think that is lost on people? I'm not trying to make excuses for the kid in that well, sense, but he has started nine games. Like yeah. in, like Shea it's Patterson, like, say, say, okay, I'll put it this way: Chad Kelly goes down first game of 2016. Okay, yeah, nine games into Shea Patterson's freshman year, not his first nine games started. Are you having any expectations on him at that point? No, and that's fair. Um. I, I think, look, I, I think I think both sides have a little bit of a point. Look, he he's not played well the past two weeks. I don't I don't want to. He's you know, played dis- horribly. I don't want to discount. But no, no, he was not horrible today. 
I don't think he was good. Um, the pick was bad. He made some plays with his feet. I, he was awful last week. Don't don't hear me wrong. I don't. I just think he was kind of mediocre today. Um, but look, I, I think you just need to let the kid play, right? Um, he's going to be a sophomore again next year. I think any talk about you know is he coming back? I think that's put to bed. He's he's going to be Ole Miss's quarterback again next year unless they go find somebody in recruiting um, that can replace him because it is beyond obvious to me that they do not trust John Rice Plumley to run the football or to run this offense. Um, so look, if, if you're Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. And you look at your quarterback room, unless, again, you think you can find somebody as a JUCO that can come in and do better, um, and I don't really think you can, I think you just stick with the kid, unless it just gets to a point where, man, he he, he can't do anything. I, I, I stick with the kid and just let him play. Just just, just let him go go do what he's going to do, and, and you'll find out where you are. Because, look, the – the quarterback uh, recruiting is pretty simple, right? Uh, they're going to try to sign Luke Altmaier, and they're going to go sign a kid with the last name of Manning here in two years, and that's going to be what they want to do on offense. Um, but for right now, he, he's beyond your best option. I still I agree with you 100%. And so, But that's really kind of where you're at, right? Because you talk about this COVID year, and you talk about expectations, and you know, the hot take on the internet is like whether this year counts, doesn't count, whatever. What do you have to lose at this point? I, clearly, from what they showed today, they do not trust John Rice Plumbing to throw the football beyond the line of scrimmage. Like, at all, right? No. no. None. So, to your point, I think you're dead on in that, is unless it gets to the point where it's just embarrassing and the kid just has really lost his way, and I don't think it's even close to there no, yet. It's not just let him make mistakes and let it ride it out this year. You're going to have some good, you're going to have some bad, and then see where you're at next year. Like the, the year to yank the kid after two and a half games is the fall of 2021, in my opinion. The kid's nine games into his career. He's made five, he's made six SEC starts. Just let him learn this year. What the yeah. hell does it matter? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? To your point, unless it becomes abundantly clear that he's just clueless. And I don't hey, think you're close to that yet. Hey, um, his, his play kind of reminds me of another Ole Miss quarterback that kind of got maligned. But the difference was he had a defense that at times could bail him out. And that was Bo Wallace. If you if you look at him, and I think Matt's a little bit better than Bo, but just from a stat line perspective and the, you know, the turnovers and whatnot, he's not a whole lot different than Bo Wallace from a stats perspective. Oh, I like that. I write a Monday column, good, good, good Matt, bad Matt. Yeah, I mean, I, and I don't mean, look, obviously they play the position a different way, but man, you look at Bo, his sophomore year, which this is what Matt's is. He's a sophomore. Um, it's third year in a college program like Bo was. I mean, this is kind of what Bo did. And then you look at Bo his senior year, and he's a pretty good football player. I don't think Matt Corral's going to be Chad Kelly or Eli Manning. But, man, you tell me he can't be a really good Bo Wallace. And the difference was, again, Bo had a defense in 2014 that didn't make him do a whole lot. He had a defense in 2015 that while they weren't as good, they took the football away. This defense does absolutely nothing for Matt Corral right now um, outside of maybe the Arkansas game. So it's it's a different dynamic of what you're playing with. But I don't think if you had the defense that, that uh, you know, uh, Bo Wallace had that you'd be you'd see as much complaining about the kid. I could. I think you could not be more right. And to and to add on to your point, from a mental standpoint, like from the Bo Wallace perspective, not only does he have the defense to back it up, but what if he just pulled the plug on Bo Wallace four games into the you know, 2013 well, season? You, you think that kid's back out balling in 2014? He's gone. Yeah. You, he you, he does not. He did not have the mental wherewithal to withstand that. 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too, is like, were you going to put Barry Brunetti in? Because that's essentially what you were going to do right now if you're going to put John Rice Plumley as your starting quarterback, although I think Barry can throw it a little bit better. There are a lot of similarities between those quarterback scenarios, and I, I yeah. didn't necessarily think about it until you pointed that out. But that's my point. It's like that, the, you know, last year, and I think there's a false sense of urgency placed on the two because it's the same two guys. It's like last year, Lucas feeling the heat about his job. So every week, it's like, play this guy, play this guy. Just ride it out with the guy that you think can throw the football okay and see what the hell happens in 2021. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. He's your quarterback. He's probably, again, unless Luke Altmaier is going to come in and be your quarterback as a true freshman. Because, look, if Cade Renfro or Grant Tisdale or Kincaid Dent were going to be your guys, I think you would probably seen them by now. Um, so, again, unless Altmaier is going to come in and be your guy, this is your guy next year, too. Unless uh, just Kincaid Dent went to J.A. Uh-huh. Um, I was just so... going to let the record state. <laughs> I almost said something. I shouldn't have. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. I, I Continue. Sorry, I derailed that. Well, no, Buchanan went to prep, didn't he? He did. Uh, okay. and I, I would say dent up arrow, Buchanan lower arrow. Sorry, Ron. <laughs> Ron's my friend too. <laughs> you're you're a bit older than Dent, right? Yeah, you're I am a bit older than Dent. Buchanan and I are actually pretty good friends. I just uh, sorry, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't cross the Pearl River, Buchanan. Anyway, go ahead. No, I was just saying, um, I think if you were, if those guys were going to factor in, you probably would have seen, you know, a, a glimmer of that by now. And, and you certainly should, haven't. Um, so, um, again, unless Altmaier is going to come in from Starville High School and be your starting quarterback as a true freshman in the SEC, then this is your quarterback next year. So just let him go. I, I agree. I, I, I think you're just like, yes, the, man, Corral, if, if Corral had just been, I just feel like you're almost not having this conversation if Corral had just been moderately bad last week. Yeah, throws three interceptions. <laughs> cut, that, cut it in half. Three picks and two fumbles or something. Like, be bad like a normal quarterback to where it's just six telegraph passes where you get a walk-on put on scholarship because he picked you up three times by himself, right? Like, if you're if you're just moderately bad, this conversation is not being had. But I agree. I think any level – like, I think the most level-headed way to look at this is, look, man, you're riding with Corral. And you let him learn this year, and you let him kind of go through the bad. I think him having a strong finish to this 2020 season is important. But I think this is the way you roll, because they clearly do not trust Plumlee to throw the football. To your point, Ken K. Dent and Grant Tisdale have not grabbed a helmet yet, nor does not seemingly come close to it. So what else are you going to do? It's a kid that you don't trust the ball, trust to throw the ball versus a kid battling confidence issues right now. Do you really want to undercut the kid with confidence issues right now again? Or do you just want to let it ride it out and kind of see what happens down the stretch? Because there is arm talent there. You've seen the good. You're now seeing the bad. Why not just see what that becomes as a whole once, I don't know, maybe he gets a full season of starting under his belt. No, completely with you. Um, so, and I think they will. I, I look. I don't think Lane Kiffin was good today, but I do think Lane Kiffin's a really good football coach. So, I think they're going to make the right decision there. The timeout thing at the end just really was miffing. But anyway, be that as it may, let's take questions to close out this pod. Let's close this thing strong. All right. So, I tweeted about an hour ago. Colin and I are back for the post game pod. Record button hitting now. I lied. Hit about ten minutes later. Uh, send, send questions. Are linebackers good? I yes. think this is in reference to having linebackers. Yes. 
I would argue that linebackers are not necessarily Ole Miss's problem right now. It's the secondary and it's the. Um, well, I don't know. Today, the, I thought the defensive line was okay, and I thought the secondary thought, did some decent. I things. thought the defensive line played as well today as they played all year. They actually, you know, got back there and then were able to breathe on Bo Nix, where at times this year, that wasn't the case. So I thought the defensive line was as good as they played today. Look, are Ole Miss's linebackers good? No, absolutely not. Um, are they the best unit on their defense? Absolutely. <laughs> like that, that one to me is pretty evident. That defense line and secondary is uh, – yeah, I don't really think they can stop too many Sunbelt teams. No, they're they're very bad, but they're like it's so funny is like you the bar is set so low watching both the defensive yes. line and the secondary and you have guys that make great individual plays. Like I there were three, maybe it was just me, but there were four or five times today where I was like, Oh, Jalen Jordan did something nice. AJ yeah. Finley had a really nice breakup to end the drive. But the he problem did. is is there's so much bad intertwined, it doesn't really matter. No. You're right. Absolutely. Um, so, yes, linebackers are good. Ole Miss should probably go recruit some of those, but I don't think that's their biggest weakness right now. The next question is, what antidepressants are you guys on? Ask, um, me, in, ask me in an hour. I am actually – I have just cracked open a second ago a peanut butter beer from a distillery go. in Fort Worth. It tastes okay. I would, I would I put have, this at a strong 5 out of 10. I've, uh, I've only drank water for, like, legitimately the past – I don't know, two and a half weeks. So, so I'm, I'm trying to stick to my only drinking water, uh, um, mindset, but, but that game, uh, almost, almost made me break it. Yeah. So I've pretty much taken the Matt Corral approach and I watched the film of the last two podcasts and learned from it. So I just waited to crack this until like, <laughs> halfway, so like halfway through. So I am, uh, I'm getting better as a podcaster, not to brag. Um, was Wesley McGriff coaching Ole Miss's defense today? Sure looked like it. I, I am actually under the impression that this poor sap that sent this does not know that Wesley McGriff is actually technically on Harvard staff. Yes. Um, I thought Ole Miss schematically was as good as they could have been for the most part. I did have a little bit of an issue with how deep the secondary played off of guys on third and five and third and six. Um, but they were scared that, shitless of Williams and the yeah, other kids. You, can't, you, you just have to let it go on third and five and third and six and hope Bo Nix doesn't make a play because uh, Bo Nix has not been good. So um, outside of that, schematically, I thought Ole Miss was fine. They still have the horses. Agree. And there were a couple of times to your point on like third and short. And it's like, well, what does it really matter here if you're playing 15 yards off of you know <laughs> Seth Williams when he runs a three-yard slant? That, that doesn't really accomplish a lot there. But right. again, I'm not the X's and O's guy by any stretch of the word. Let's see. Let's keep rolling down through these things just rapid fire. Is it really that easy to mismanage a game? Does it come down to the pressure of the situation or incompetence? This is actually a really interesting no, that's question fair. from listener um, Jacob Robertson. But to your point, like to, to his point, because we talk about this all the time, because you and I are sitting at home. I find this actually, honestly, as much as like the sports hot date, take debate nauseates me, whenever this question is posed, it fascinates me because you and I are sitting there on our couch watching it and like, why are they not calling time out here? This seems obvious, but, and it is obvious to a degree, but time and time again, these coaches bungle this. Yeah. Like, I, it, we we I used to talk. Some, I would sorry, have one hired to, to, to tell me when I need to do that. You Honestly, went, God. you went right where I was going. A, a classic radio debate we had for the two years I was on radio is how much would you pay a clock management guy to just get in here in the last two minutes and say time out here, not 
time out here. I actually think there's a great bit of value in that because as mad as fans get and as perplexed as you and I get about this, I just do think that a lot of the times these two guys have so like like Lane Kiffin is calling plays too, and he has so much going on. I think that hinders his ability to manage the clock, and he's not alone in that. No, no, I would hire somebody to do it. Honest to God, what there would be, um, uh, I don't know what you'd have to call up to be able to be on the headset during the game, whatever. Um, but I would have somebody that could do that because, my God, uh, that's just bad. And, and man, you, you give Ole Miss 25 seconds there at the end of the game, and it's a whole different deal, right? Yeah, and I guess that, that is, to, to be clear, that is not exclusive to Ole Miss, right? You see no, this no, at no. college. You see this at the NFL. It's just – I think it's a fascinating conversation to be had. So, I think – I think – Honestly, based on the evidence we have, isn't the answer the first one? It's just that easy to mismanage a game. It has to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously it is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I don't know a whole lot to add there. Like, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's like, I, obviously, it must be that easy to mismanage a game because it's a hell of a lot easy to manage one from a couch. And I don't mean <laughs> that to, like, diminish our perspective. It is. Like, when you have nothing else to no, think about you. it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, this is obvious. This is obvious. But obviously, those two dudes, like, those coaches have so much going on in their head, it makes it harder. The next question we have is from Kiffin Holster um, that just says, why? It's a good question. It's a, it's a good point, too. Uh, so. <laughs> so, actually, I say it was a question. He didn't put a question mark. No. So, to what you said, it may, it's a good point. May just be, may just be a good point. Uh, Dylan Hutton says, not mad about the defense. They look com- they looked halfway confident for a good stretch today. They agree. I think that's about all you can ask. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they don't have the horses to get it done consistently. I, I think asking them to get a stop at the end right there at the, was, uh, frankly, not – you know, you can't do that. Um, once Ole Miss gave them the football back, that was my thing with, with going for the fourth and five. It was like, this defense isn't getting a stop. So try to get five yards. Otherwise, you're just going to give them the football at the 20 instead of the 50, and they're going to go score. So, like, Auburn scoring, if they get the football back, is 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 going to happen. So don't give them the football back if you don't have to. Agree. Um, the next question we have, it's not even uh, – yeah, this is a question. This was probably the one element of the podcast that I've avoided to this point. I didn't necessarily intentionally do it. I thought there was so much from a strategic and personnel standpoint to get to that I just didn't get to it. But the Rebel Fantastic asked, why was why was wasn't a timeout called in the muff punt that was or I think he's talking about the kickoff. No, he's fair. talking about the kickoff where it hit the kid's yeah. finger. It seemed to clearly hit the kid's finger. Well, there wasn't as much as review. Look, man, my take on this is it did seem to be hit the kid's finger. Ole Miss had plenty of other opportunities to win the game. But the SEC does not do well by itself in terms of quelling conspiracy theories when there's not even a thought to be taking well, a look at that. They, I don't understand say- that. They said that uh, – I don't know if you had the broadcast where you could hear it. Yeah, they, 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 they said they reviewed it and it didn't touch him. How can you look at that with it, a straight face? And it clearly did not hit the kid. I'm like, uh, y'all must be watching different TV than I am because that boy's pinky finger, uh, it bent pretty clearly. So uh, that's touchdown. But, yeah, look. Um, obviously that's a touchdown by Ole Miss and they should have won the game. Absolutely. Um, absolutely should have. That being said, Ole Miss still should have won the game. So I, I, I have a hard time with, yes, Ole Miss should have gotten a touchdown, should have won the game. Also, you should have run the clock out. Also, you shouldn't have let Auburn go 80 yards. Um, so, you know. And there's a bit of a trade-off there, right? Because the poor kid that almost ran the second-half opening kickback just got jobbed on a brutal holding call. He did. He did. Yeah. So. But, to, but, to, but like, uh, like do, you not, do you not agree in that sense to where, like, I, like I've always been of the, the – 
the opinion of, hey, the SEC doesn't have a conspiracy theory. It's just incompetence amongst the officiating. But when you don't give a thought to reviewing it, and then when you openly put on the broadcast was we didn't we determined it did not hit the kid's fingers as they're showing the replay of the kid's pinky bending back. It's like, hey man, like you're just feeding the sharks here in terms of conspiracy theories. Yeah, like, mean, come on, give me a getting, better explanation than that. It's getting harder and harder for those for you to say, hey, it, that that that's stupid. You shouldn't believe those conspiracy theories, right? Like it's getting really hard at this point to say, well, you're completely wrong. It's like, well. You know? yeah, you're you're, you're giving know? them evidence. You have poor Tom Hart saying that he, as they're showing the damn thing touching the kid's pinky is, they determined in the booth that it did not touch his hand as the kid's pinky is rolling backwards. And it's like don't think fingers, giving these people red meat. I don't think fingers been like that on their own, sir. So anyway, uh, Kane Liffin, uh, which I think is a prescription drug, Says obviously hindsight <laughs> says putting Plumley in on that drive up by one was a mistake, but don't you think they tried him too much? He can't throw in the defense knows exactly what's about to happen. Yes. I think there, Kane Liffin, as you underscored what we were just talking about earlier, there is a competent way to use both of these quarterbacks if you use Plumley as a package change of pace guy and nothing else. It's basically what the opposite of Rich Rodriguez did last year, right? Where he would throw Corral in when it was an obvious throwing out. Just throw Plumley in when you can run or throw it, even though you know he's not going to throw it. Use him as a change of pace guy. I think his role is nothing more than that yeah no i'm with you there uh i think they absolutely tried to use him way too much today i mean i've, I've been over that I, I think it was kind of absurd absurd yeah i i don't necessarily mad with the way they used Plumley. i was i was perplexed by the um amount they used him and in the situations they used him in. yeah i guess is a better a, way to put that without a doubt right because the, the running thing works with the amount of weapons Ole Miss has at their disposal, with the you know with Elijah Moore, even they they run him out of there. They with the Jerry on Ely with Snoop Connor having him on the field is an asset. Just be a little more strategic about it. Yeah, no, I mean I don't mind using him. I mind using him three plays in a row to run whatever the hell that was before the fake field goal. Uh, Michael Bullock has fully jumped off the deep end. He says, "How? Um, sorry, I missed a word there. I thought he was asking how soon before Ole Miss fires another head coach. How soon before fans want to fire another head coach? I know you got to recruit out of this, but even Kiffin can't get away, seem to get away from the we we are Ole Miss curse. Man, go watch Hugh Freeze's first year in 2012 and look how many games they blew. You remember how close Hugh Freeze was to being 9-3 and three in 2012? Yeah, really. Remember close. being up 24-6 on Vanderbilt in the fourth quarter and choking that away at home and the A&M game and two others? Like, like. It is what it is at this point. Like, I don't necessarily buy the whole we are old Miss curse in that sense. No, no, I don't either. I I don't think people are going to want Lane Kiffin fired. God, I hope not. I, yeah, I don't really – I'm not inter, I'm not even going to entertain that. I don't think he was trying to entertain that. I think he was mostly making a joke. But, yeah, whatever. Um, can we start a petition to make the SEC give an answer for blatantly missed game-changing calls? Look, man, like I said, didn't want to address it because Ole Miss lost the game in other ways. But their, in their inability to just give a competent answer on blatantly missed calls is hurting their credibility. And in the yeah. end, does it matter? No, because they make money hand over fist because the same programs say good. They have no incentive to change it. But, man, you're if you're actually caring about the conspiracy theories, you're feeding the dudes red meat. Without a doubt. And, and I'm I'm done telling them, hey, uh, you have no you have no credence or 
credibility. I'm done calling them crazy. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, I am too. That that was absurd. That was ridiculous. Um, uh, Ole Miss Hoops HQ is on the right idea. I hope we can steer him in the right direction here. What's the good tall building in Jackson that's rooftop accessible? I thought he was saying on Jackson. I thought he was talking about a bar. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about, pal. Uh, he, he wants to jump off it. I was about to say, I hope it's not to jump. Oh, he, what's he wants, a good tall building? I missed because he, he is trying to jump. Never mind. Never mind. He has the wrong one. Yeah, we're not going to address that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Feet on the ground, HQ. Um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was asking about lost pizza off Jackson Avenue. <laughs> It's like, no, my guy wants to jump off it. I thought he was asking about the rooftop bar. Lost pizza, whatever it is on Jackson. This man is asking for a skyscraper in the city of Jackson. The capital, if you can get there. <laughs> anyway, that was almost bad. I almost gave him a straight answer. Um, <laughs> I might be good God. Um, Jackson Wright says, what is the obsession of John Rice Plumley? He plays the piano, bro. Don't know if you've heard. Good singer, you know, pretty good. Uh, pretty fast, I guess. Uh, you know, the whole throwing thing <laughs> leaves a little bit to be desired. He's a good runner. He's a valuable weapon. You just have to be able to use him the right way. He's nothing more than he, – he's Taysom Hill light. And I know every yeah. time a quarterback that can run that can't throw everything, like, he's Taysom Hill, he's Taysom Hill. He is Taysom Hill light. Find a smart way to use him. Yeah, I'm with you there, without a doubt, without a doubt. And they have not found a smart way to use him yet. Those are all the questions. We've gone an hour and five minutes. Do you have anything else to add from today that we haven't already covered? My computer no. died. That might be the greatest sign of all time. We should wrap this up. No, no, I think I think we've butted everything. Okay, well, dude, this was fun again. This was a fascinating conversation, as it always is. There's always a lot to unpack from these games. All Miss loses 35 to 28 to Auburn in a game that they really just kind of snatched defeat from the jaws of victory again. They're one in four. Look, if you're looking for an all encapsulating thought, as frustrating as these losses are for an Ole Miss fan, are you not entertained? Like, I got it. I was entertained for three hours today, if nothing else. And it's sure. not always that way under Matt Luke. No, no, it's absolutely not. Um, look, I, I think there's a lot of reason to, to believe in Lane Kiffin, and I think there's a lot of valid points to say he wasn't very good today and and i don't think you know your coach is going to be excellent every single day i think the guy just had a bad day and and you know Omus was in a football game so it, it was fun to watch at least i don't think that that's always been the case the last three years for sure no and this one's gonna sting because oh, unlike absolutely. arkansas you can chalk it up to hey seven turnovers like come on now this one was right on their doorstep and they just yep. kind of pissed it away yep without a doubt without a doubt Anyway, we'll be back at it in two weeks. I was about to say next week until Colin pointed out there's a bye week. If you want a podcast mid-Saturday on a bye week, I'll, uh, I'll be at a wedding reception. I don't think the listeners would want that. I can promise no, you that. Probably not. Probably um, not. So Colin and I will be back at it in two weeks. I'll have a Sunday column up tomorrow at the Ole Miss Spirit. If you want to check that out, a couple more podcasts during the week. Hell, we might do a midweek podcast next week just to kind of uh, for tits and giggles. We'll we'll see we'll see what's up there. But uh, dude, I appreciate it. This was fun again. Happy Absolutely. Saturday, and we'll be back at it in a couple weeks. Sounds good, my man. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.